Are we good there? Yeah, are we live? Welcome, 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 welcome to, uh, what is this? Uncensored and unfiltered live. Um, uh, I got Jeff in the house with us and Scott and Brenda and uh, a host of Holy Spirit. Uh, that's, uh, I'm trying not to get depressed. I, I'm just trusting there's a bajillion of you online and you're just a little COVID scared perhaps or... Um, I'm trying not to believe that it's because it's a spiritual discipline of fasting why no one's here. So maybe they're fasting from church attendance. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, Scott and Brenda, because you guys are here, can I ask you just to move over this way a little bit? So when I look at you, I also kind of see the camera a little bit. No, you won't be in the, they're not in the shot, are they, Jeff? No, well, at the top of their heads. <laughs> okay, there we go. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, there might be more people showing up. I don't know, but... Um, uh, regardless, if you're online uh, following us, welcome. Uh, this is our, our fifth Unfiltered and Uncensored. We did one on, is homosexuality compatible with the Bible? And then we did one on race with patient and I, and then we did one on uh, the disc profile. Uh, and we did uh, the last one on evangelism, and then this one on uh, spiritual disciplines of fasting. Uh, welcome. Someone else just showed up through the door. There we go. Look at that. We are a thriving five of us now. And again, most people are online, I'm sure. So uh, uh, there is this outline. You might want to pick that up. Um, for those of you who are online, we don't have this outline online posted yet, but I'll make sure that, the, that our online people do that. Um, let, me, let me just say this, just to make sure that we all uh, understand. Uh, I am by no means... Um, I by no means have perfected any of this I'm going to talk about. Uh, it's all in practice and it's all in the works. Um, but I don't, I don't talk about this as if, as if I got all of this dialed in all the time. Um, but but let, me just, let, me just, let me just start with this. Uh, we're talking about spiritual disciplines, specifically fasting as a spiritual discipline. John, I'm going to ask you the same thing. If you can come just this way, just so I feel like I'm looking at the same people in the same camera. I appreciate it. Um, we're talking about spiritual disciplines and fasting is a spiritual discipline. Um, and we're going to dive into maybe some more spiritual disciplines and what they are, but we will focus on fasting this evening. But let me just, let me just share with you this quote. If there's an inward devotion, there ought to be an external expression. Uh, there's, there's no way that any of us would believe if we're in a relationship with someone we love, that we love them internally, but have no outward expression of that love. It just would not work in a human relationship, and we can't expect it to work in a, a relationship with God either. So if there's an internal devotion, there ought to be an external expression. Spiritual disciplines are the external expression of an internal devotion towards God. Um, I've been in church a long time, heard a lot of people talk, especially in the context of church, about a discipleship program. What kind of program does your church have about uh, in making disciples? Does it need a discipleship program? Um, let me just say this. If people practice spiritual disciplines, there's no need for a discipleship program. Uh, this, uh, this spiritual disciplines are designed to develop us in faith. And so uh, if, if we just took seriously the commands of Scripture and the examples of Scripture and the implications of Scripture about spiritual disciplines, discipleship takes care of itself oftentimes. So uh, let me share with you this is a verse, and I'm going to pray. This, this, is, this is why I want to do this, this unfiltered, uncentered 
on fasting. This is why it's so important. And when they had come to the, uh, to, to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, talking, this is a man talking to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's an epileptic and suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Why couldn't we cast the demon out of that boy? Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Um, like I said, if, 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 if people, if, if Christ followers practiced spiritual disciplines, there would be no need for a discipleship program. Spiritual disciplines are what make a disciple a growing disciple. Once you accept Christ, you're a disciple, should be of Christ. What makes you grow as a disciple are the spiritual disciplines we see in Scripture. And so spiritual disciplines take care of any discipleship program you could ever come up with. Matter of fact, most discipleship programs are focused on one or two spiritual disciplines, Bible reading, prayer, and Bible memorization. That's a very narrow focus of what a disciple is and the separate program is. So if we just understood what, what, what spiritual gifts are, or sorry, what spiritual disciplines are, we would understand then what it means to be a growing disciple. Part of what it means to be a growing disciple is fasting. And fasting is one of those things that has a profound spiritual and physical effect. Jesus says this kind of demon does not come out except by prayer, and fasting. Now, the, the interesting thing to me is Jesus had just sent the disciples away and given them authority to heal every disease and to cast out demons. He just did that uh, just a few ver chapters prior. And then they come back and they encounter a situation where, where the authority he's already given them doesn't seem to be effective. And they ask, why isn't it effective now? And he says, because you don't understand the role of fasting when it's attached to prayer and the role of prayer when it's attached to fasting. There's, there's something unique about it. And so, because there are some kind that don't come out except uh, by prayer and fasting, uh, regardless of what some Trump people think about storming the castle, <laughs> this kind will not come out by storming the Capitol, <laughs> only by prayer and fasting. Uh, we, we have to understand fasting and its role and how to do it. So uh, let me pray. Father, thank you uh, that you have given us tools that we can practice that, um, that enable and increase our relationship with you in profound ways, in profound ways. I thank you that you have opened heaven to us and the authority of heaven to us if we'd be mindful on how to access it. I pray that you give us insight this evening to fasting, that we would live as people 
with both the power and the authority because of our relationship with you that would cast out these kinds by prayer and fasting. In your name I pray, amen. Most religions teach their followers to abide by practices or disciplines um, that are outward expressions, outward expressions of an inward devotion. Now, when, when, when I use the word discipline, what I mean by discipline is restraint. And so when we talk about spiritual disciplines, what we're talking about is restraints that we put around ourselves. The three Abrahamic faiths, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, those who trace their beginnings back to Abraham, all have or should have um, expectations of their disciples on how they practice their faith. So, for instance, uh, Islam has its required disciplines or uh, uh, restraints. Uh, the profession of faith, requirement for, for, for Islam. Uh, five daily prayers, requirement. Charity to the poor, requirement. Fasting during Ramadan, requirement. Uh, pilgrimage to Mecca, requirement. It, it, to be a good Muslim, you have to practice these things, if at all possible. And there are other dietary and, uh, and attire restrictions and prohibitions they have around as well, if you want to be really good. Um, but but you, any, any Muslim will say, these are the five requirements you have to practice as a good Muslim. Judaism has its required disciplines as well. Within Judaism... Uh, there are three daily prayers. The, Jew, the Orthodox Jew must pray. There's the observance of certain religious holidays within Judaism, not the least of which is Passover, Yom Kippur, Purim, and Hanukkah. There is within Judaism the Sabbath regulations that every good Orthodox Jew must practice. There's the other dietary restraints surrounding uh, the practice of Judaism. And there's the rites of passage, the Bar and Bat Mitzvah. Any good Jew has got to practice these disciplines, these spiritual disciplines or these spiritual restraints. For Christianity, what are the spiritual disciplines of our faith? For those who follow Jesus, what are the spiritual disciplines of our faith? If Islam could say these are the five things, if Judaism could say these are the things that you have to do as a good Muslim, as a good Jew, what is it for Christianity? It, it, this is difficult for some because of one Bible verse. This is why talking about spiritualism is difficult because of this Bible verse. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one could boast. And what happens is that Christians feel that spiritual disciplines are secondary or optional because they've already been saved. So why do I have to do anything? Um... And this is why most spiritual disciplines are oftentimes forgotten by Christians. Because we figure, well, we've been saved by faith. I get into heaven. I'm forgiven. Why, why worry about this other stuff? There's an important distinction to make between Christianity and everything else. Christians practice what we call ordinances of our faith. Uh, and we make a distinction between ordinances and sacraments. Now, for instance... In Catholic streams of faith, they practice uh, what they call sacraments, the sacrament of communion, the sacrament of baptism. The word sacrament means that they believe grace is held within that event. So, for instance, with the sacrament of communion, they believe that grace is, 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 is received in communion. 
so that when I receive communion as a Catholic, I believe that I am actually receiving grace, which forgives me of my sin. The worst thing that a Catholic can do is miss communion, because by missing communion, they're missing grace. By missing grace, they're not forgiven. And so Catholics and, and, and other faiths believe that there's that in the sacraments, that faith is contained in the doing. Christians don't. Christians believe in the ordinances. The ordinance does not contain grace within the, the object. Now, for instance, for, 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 for Christians or for good Baptist folk or uh, evangelicals, two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, those don't impart grace. Grace is freely given. Those are simply symbols um, and reminders of our faith. So communion is the reminder of the death of Christ and His shed blood on the cross, and baptism is the reminder of the death and resurrection of Christ and our identity with Him and in Him. But in none of those things do we gain grace because they're ordinances, they're not sacraments. And so because of that, because we don't gain grace by what we do, and because of Ephesians, we're saved by faith because of God's grace. We believe, most Christians believe, that all these spiritual disciplines, secondary at best. They're not really needed. Um, and thereby, most Christians don't regularly practice spiritual disciplines. And that's why most Christians cannot identify biblically what are the biblical spiritual disciplines of our faith. But the truth remains, if there's an inward devotion there must be an outward expression. And so if we say we love God, there's got to be an outward expression of that. And spiritual disciplines are that. Now, one more, and this is all set up, but it's, this is important for us to understand. Spiritual disciplines, and I'll get to fasting in a minute, but spiritual disciplines are intended to make our souls healthy. And here's why that's important. Now imagine if this Bible verse were true. Uh, imagine if we believe this Bible verse. Watch this. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your souls prosper. Imagine if that's true. That your prosperity and your health will be to the degree that your soul is prospering. If your prosperity and if your health is in line with the prosperity of your soul, how much more would you practice spiritual disciplines? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Now, now this, is, this is John who was writing. It was the disciple that Jesus loved. He's the, one that, he's the only one of the disciples that wasn't other than you know, Judas who kind of took care of himself who wasn't martyred for his faith. There was something special about John. God allowed him this longevity of life and this incredible revelation of Christ. And, and, and he might know what he's talking about. The physical benefits of, of spiritual disciplines cannot be overstated. There is benefit to our bodies by practicing spiritual disciplines. And I would suggest by this verse that there are probably some who are sick who should not be. Think about it. Now, because I've titled this Unfiltered and Uncensored, I can say stuff here that I can't say on Sunday morning. And so, imagine 
what your prosperity and your health might be if your souls were to prosper. And if your prosperity and health is tied to the prosperity of your soul, how much more would we be cognizant of practicing spiritual disciplines? Now, please, I'm not saying that if you're sick or poor, it's because your soul's poor. Please don't misunderstand me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to make a point. I'm just trying to make a point. I'm, I'm kind of pushing the limit to make a point. If, in fact, there is a connection between our souls and our bodies, how much more will we focus on practicing spiritual disciplines? So, for the Christian, can you name five commanded spiritual disciplines? Now, we only got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of us here, and I know the answer, so we only got six here that uh, doesn't have the notes. So, what, what are commanded spiritual disciplines? Fasting. <laughs> wow. You get an A and a gold star and a jewel in your crown. Brenda said fasting. Well, I mean, we, we know some of them, right? What are they? Praying. Absolutely. That ought to be an easy one. That's a no-brainer. Studying the Word. Reading the Bible. Absolutely. Okay, are those spiritual disciplines or are those ordinances? Those are ordinances, aren't spiritual disciplines. Tithing? Yeah, is that a question or a statement? You wish it were a statement. But, th but this is what I'm talking about. And, and there's no shame in that. But we oftentimes reproduce people who go to church but don't understand discipleship because discipleship is practicing spiritual disciplines. And if we don't talk about the spiritual disciplines, how does the disciple develop the spiritual disciplines they're supposed to be living? We're supposed to be living. So... Uh, I would go so far as to suggest that one of the reasons that Christians don't practice spiritual disciplines is because we carry around us the disguise of living by faith. We would rather say, well, I live by faith, not by works, so I don't have to practice that. Uh, and that is so contrary to God's Word. There are a lot of spiritual disciplines in Orthodox Christian teaching. Um, and so I just want to, I want to go through a list of 14 of them. I don't know if you knew there were that many of them. Uh, but here's, here's a list of, of spiritual disciplines. We got, we got this one, right? Prayer. So that's obviously a spiritual discipline. And we're commanded to do it. It's just not a suggestion or an, or an uh, implication. It's a command. Also, Bible reading. Study the Word of God. Absolutely. Uh, simplicity is a spiritual discipline. And it's actually a command in Scripture. You can search it for yourself. But we are called as Christians to live uncomplicated lives. And so just consider for a minute as an act of spiritual discipline and the health of your soul, which then aids your body and see if this is not true. If you're adding something to your schedule over and over and over that further complicates your life, you might consider asking, is this God's will? Because we are called to live simplistically. It doesn't mean without, it doesn't mean I take on a vow of poverty, but it does mean simplistically. We're not supposed to have high blood pressure. We're not supposed to have sleepless nights. We're not supposed to be um, have schedules where we're just always too busy. Um, if, if, if you're, I know none of, none of y'all here do because you got super balanced lives, but if you are ever too tired in church to pay attention or start falling asleep in church or too tired to get up and go to church, it's probably a sign that you're out of balance and not living a simplistic life. 
If God, if God knows how much he has created for us to do and he's given us 24 hours to do it and we get the end of our 24-hour day and decided we have not got everything done that we needed to get done, probably there was something we thought we needed to get done they don't really need to get done. Because God is not going to add more to us than he has allowed us to be able to accomplish because he's called us to a life of simplicity. Just think about it. It's a spiritual discipline. Start cutting stuff out of your schedule. Solitude. This is not something that uh, people readily think of as a spiritual discipline, but it's certainly talked about in Scripture. The problem, especially in our day and age, is we're so connected to uh, this thing that we can never, ever, ever get alone. Because even when we're by ourselves, we're still connected. But a spiritual discipline is solid. Now, just think about it. If, if, if we practiced simplicity and solitude, how much would our stress level decrease? How much would our chaotic life decrease? Right? And our, maybe our health would prosper as our souls prosper. Does that make sense? There's nothing magic about it. Uh, another spiritual discipline is meditation. When you think on God's Word and you let it ruminate and bubble up in your heart. So because God's Word is alive and active, when it starts to live inside and bubble inside, meditation is when we all know how to meditate because we know how to worry. All worry is is negative meditation. And so we already know how to meditate. We just choose to meditate on the wrong things, not on God's Word. When I was doing my undergrad stuff, I took a, it sounds so weird at the time, but I took a class for a semester on spiritual disciplines. Uh, and we practiced all of these spiritual disciplines throughout the semester. It was, it was, it was wonderful. Uh, chastity. Now, I'm not talking about just um, uh, abstinence if you're not married. What I'm talking about is chastity is no romantic connection. If you're not married, you should always be, you, you should practice abstinence. Um, but... But for those who are single, to practice chastity as well, which is more than just absence, it's, it's purposely choosing to fast, to, or, or, or to, not just fast, but, but to practice as a spiritual discipline, non-connection romantically with someone. Paul says, if you're called to Christ as a single, remain that way because you have more time and energy to serve God. So there are times when, when, when a disciple should practice, a single disciple should practice chastity and say, I'm not going to have a romantic connection to anybody for this set of time, and I'm going to work on my relationship with God. Um, service is a spiritual discipline. We, we don't need to talk a ton about that. Uh, quietness is a spiritual discipline. If you've, if you've never taken a set amount of time, whether it's hours or days, and just remain quiet before the, What did God say? He said, in, in the Old Testament, he said, you know, I'm going to talk to you, but I'm not going to talk to you in the earthquake. I'm not going to talk to you in the fire. How am I going to talk to you? My still, small voice. How do you hear a still, small voice if we're not quiet? Right? I mean, just think about these spiritual disciplines. If I'm practicing simplicity and meditation on God's Word and solitude and quietness, and what kind of positive effect does that have on my body? Profound. May your souls, well, your health prosper as your souls prosper. It's, it's, it's biblical. Rest. It's the Sabbath commands, the spiritual discipline. We all know that there are, are some people who have such a difficult time taking a day off. And, and their day off might consist of housework, or their day off might consist of working on the car, or their day off might consist of working in the garage. That's not the Sabbath, it's a spiritual discipline. Uh, confession of sin, spiritual discipline. Always confession of sin to God, sometimes confession of sin to others. Giving thanks to spiritual discipline. 
corporate worship. That means worshiping together in the context of a, a local church body. Can you worship God on your own? I guess you can, but you're called to worship God in corporate with each other with other people. Uh, sacrificial giving. So yes, absolutely. Uh, Jeff, you said tithing, giving. Tithing's a command. Sacrificial giving is a discipline. Absolutely. And then, of course, fasting. So I would suggest that there's a multitude of spiritual disciplines that as we practice these things, our souls prosper and our health prospers. I think that's just how God designed this to work. But my guess is few of us practice these spiritual disciplines on a regular, consistent basis, and few of us have run the gamut of, at some point in our lives, a concerted effort to practice all of these at some point. But these are them. Fasting, as a spiritual discipline, is one of the most ignored spiritual disciplines that the Christian has in our, on our toolbox. It's one of the most misapplied spiritual disciplines that the Christian has. Uh, but it is practiced by most world religions. Most world religions tell their adherents to practice fasting. It's interesting that Christianity doesn't. So fasting, I'm going to give you a real simple definition. Fasting is simply denying yourself of what yourself wants. Real simple definition of fasting. Denying yourself of what yourself wants. It's giving up of the a craving of the body in order to gain a need of the spirit. That's what fasting is. Um, biblically, there's only a couple different uh, examples of, of, uh, of, of uh, there's a lot of examples of fasting, but it's, uh, fasting only, only happens in two different ways in the Bible. It happens a lot more in our culture because we're, we're just overwhelmed with things in our culture. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but one of the greatest disciplines to develop in life is the ability to tell yourself no. One, that's one of the greatest abilities that we can develop. Children cannot tell themselves no. I want, I want, give me, give me, give me. And so they have to learn the ability to tell themselves no. Same thing with us spiritually. We have to learn the ability to tell ourselves no. Jesus said, what? if you want to follow me, what do you say? Want to follow me, what do you say to do? Deny yourself, tell yourself no. Take up your cross and follow me. And fasting is one of the, the, the best ways, the fastest way to learn the art of being able to tell ourselves no. Following God demands we practice self-denial. And that's what fasting is. Most Christians have never engaged in a proper biblical fast. And most Christians don't, if they've tried it in the past, they don't regularly practice it as a part of their ongoing life. I'm sure many people have heard about people who fast during Lent. During Lent, I'm going to give up 40 days, I'm going to give up chocolate or caffeine or whatever. Um, most people do that without knowing why and out, without knowing how and not knowing what the results should be. And it's not a biblical fast. And it produces no long-term benefit. And I'll talk about more of that in a minute. But let me just share with you some biblical examples of fasting. In the Bible, and I always want to go back to the Bible, in the Bible, uh, people fasted for times of personal uh, mourning and the nation's mourning. In the Bible... People fasted for the repentance of sin before God when they knew they'd been convicted and they needed to repent of their sin uh, for God to forgive and to change. 
when they were seeking discernment for decisions, they fasted. Acts 13, a gr the great passage of calling Saul and Barnabas to go plant churches. They prayed, they worshiped, and they fasted uh, before they decided on Paul and Barnabas, before the Holy Spirit spoke and, and chose them and sent them out in ministry. Um, biblical examples of fasting for protection from personal danger and national danger or for the preparation of battle. Um, when you know that the enemy is approaching, when you know you have to go out in battle, people fasted for God's protection to say, God, you have to intervene right now. We're going to pray and fast. Uh, people in the Bible fasted as a desire to draw closer to God in devotion and in the destruction of idols. Uh, I'm going to talk more about that in, uh, later. People fasted in the Bible in order to intensify prayers. Daniel 9 is all about the prayer that he offered to God, God's answer, and then he prayed and fasted until the answer came. Uh, and people fast in the Bible as a way of consecration or preparation for an assignment from God. In Acts 14, right after Acts 13, after the church fasted and prayed and worshipped, and God, the Holy Spirit said, send out Paul and Barnabas. Later, as Paul and Barnabas were going around establishing churches, they prayed and fasted in, this, in the establishment of the leaders of those local churches. Um, and uh, personally, I fast from Saturday night until Sunday evening, uh, in preparation for the activity God has called me to on Sunday mornings, um, and it's 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 uh, it's it's a it's a biblical reason to fast, and those are the reasons why in the Bible we see people and nations fasting before God. So, uh, if 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 you're fasting in order to lose weight, it might be a good idea, but it's not a biblical fast. So, those are the reasons you would fast biblically. So let, 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 me, let me share this with you. Fasting should always have a directed goal. In every occasion in the Bible that we just looked at, there was a directed goal for the fast. There was a purpose to it. Either something you're attempting to achieve for God in your life or a spiritual growth to receive from God. Fasting without an intended prayerful goal will not yield the power and benefit of fasting, and it isn't a biblical fast. They're always, and this is why the idea of fasting at Lent is not a biblical fast. Because most people practice the fasting at Lent just giving up something because that's what you're supposed to do. I'm going to fast from caffeine over Lent. I'm going to fast from chocolate over Lent. There's no prayerful biblical goal in mind for your benefit of your connection with God or for God's revelation in your life. Um. Fasting is something we do for God. It's just not a religious activity or something we do to increase our health. Um, most people who do it because it is the time. And, and, and a lot of people coming out of the uh, Catholicism always fast for Lent. There's a lot of, there's, there's this little wave of Christian evangelicals that think, well, we need to fast for Lent because that's just what you do. So we're going to give up something for 40 days during Lent. And it, it, it might be a good religious activity, but it really doesn't have any spiritual benefit if it's not understood biblically and if there's not a focus point towards it. So if those were examples of fasting in the Bible, what would be our reasons to fast? Let me just go through these. Our reasons to fast are when there's a difficult decision to make and you need to discern God's will. And you just don't know. Um, if prayer is talking to God, I suggest that fasting is the way you hear from God. 
Because in fasting, you're shutting stuff off so that you can hear God. Our lives are so cluttered. Now, I, 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 I would suggest this, uh, and maybe it's because my boys are, two of my boys are getting older, and, and the more I can impart to them, the, the, you know, the, the, uh, I just think it's more and more and more important for me to be a little bit more direct in their lives as they get older. But I would tell them, and I'll tell anybody else, uh, don't marry someone without fasting about them first. That's too big of a decision. And I would go so far as to say, um, if the one you're wanting to marry won't fast about marrying you, you probably shouldn't marry them either. Uh, I just think that, that especially in today's world with how many voices we have speaking to us, uh, it's too important to go into without fasting. Um, you want to marry someone that if you're in a coma and can't pray for yourself, you know they're going to pray till you come back to life. Uh, and that's a decision you need to go into with great prayer and fasting. Um, so if you've got a difficult decision to make, fast. If you've got a major life change that's coming up, um, or that you have just gone into you didn't see coming, fast. Um, more often than not, when we go through major life changes, um, they're so chaotic, they're, they're, they're so... Uh, wrapped around um, confusion and questions. Most major life changes don't come with a lot of answers. They come with a lot of questions. And one of the best ways to go into a major life change or to navigate a major life change is in the practice of fasting. Uh, reasons to fast when you want to draw closer to God and hear God's voice. Again, we talked about a little bit. Um, Prayer is the way we talk to God. Fasting is the way we hear from Him because we're shutting stuff off. And I'm saying no to myself so I can say yes to His voice. Because more often than not, that voice will come in that still small whisper. Uh, and when we're uh, fat and happy, it's hard to hear a still small whisper because we're so content. Uh, reasons to fast when I have to repent from sin. Um there are, there are times, if you're a Christ follower, when the Holy Spirit has been so heavy and, and, and uh, you know, you cross that line that you said you'd never cross again and again and again, um, and you need something more than just the 30-second, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Uh, and uh, reasons to fast to break free from bondage. Uh, we all know those times when... Um, again, in sin, we thought, well, I'm never doing that again, only to what? What, none of you are like me? Only to what? To do it again. Uh, see, here's the problem. A convicted mind is not enough to keep us from committing sin. And, and so many times what we struggle with is, is sin and we feel guilt and remorse and we ask forgiveness and we got a, con, a convicted mind, but we need something greater to break bondage. Now this is a whole separate topic and maybe I'll talk about it some other time. I don't believe in for the Christian talking about addictions because the Bible doesn't use the word addictions, but the Bible does use strongholds. And for the Christian... I think we face strongholds, meaning that the devil has created in our lives and some that we've allowed to be built and have helped him in the construction in our lives. 
And for strongholds in the Christian life, the strongholds are not going to be torn down by simple 30-second prayers. God, I'm sorry, please forgive me my sin. It's going to come through. These type, Jesus said, only come out by prayer and fasting. So you need a stronghold broken in your life? Learn this discipline. And protection from God. Reasons to fast, protection from God. God, I need you to protect me. I need you to protect my family. I need you to protect my marriage. I need you to protect my church. God, we're going into something. Something's happening right now. Father, we're going to fast until you need God's hand to move. All through Scripture, we see people fasting and the incredible results of it. Just look quickly. What happens when we fast? Well, biblically, Moses fasted, and then he received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Elijah fasted for protection from Jezebel and was protected. Esther fasted for protection from the king because she had an assignment to go to him, and she went to him as the nation fasted for her protection, and she was protected. Darius fasted for the safety of Daniel. Daniel fasted for answered prayer. Jesus fasted before his public ministry. Paul fasted after his conversion before going out into ministry. The Church fast before sending men out to plant churches. Things happen, biblically, things happen when people and communities fast. So, how do you know when you should fast? Any ideas? Can't fast every day, right? So let me tell you, how do you you should know if you should fast? When the Holy Spirit leads you based on things happening in your life. So let me just give you a for example. Have any of you ever been going throughout your day and you get this thought in your head, I need to call, I need to check on, I need to see. Or laying in bed late at night, you know what, I need to make sure I do that first thing in the morning. And then you've forgotten or you got busy or you just neglected it and then something happened. And then you're convicted. Let me tell you what's happening right there. What's happening right there is you're convicted because you denied the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit for the Christian. So Holy Spirit saying, I'm moving right now, either in your life or in their life and in both of your lives. I'm doing something and I'm inviting you to join me in that. Listen to me. And so when the Holy Spirit leads you, based on any of those things we just talked about, to say, hey, this is the time that's special. This is unique. You need, by prayer and fasting, we have to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and respond in fasting. So how do you know you should fast? When the Holy Spirit leads you to and you think about that. Uh, If a spiritual authority calls you to it, if there's a spiritual authority in your life and that spiritual authority says, listen, This is what I'm calling us to. As a Bible study, as a family, as a church, as a community, when that spiritual authority that God has put there says, this is what we must do, we need to do, I'm calling you to do it, then it's time to fast. Uh, If you're ever partnering with someone on their benefit, it's it's a special thing when you know someone's going through something and you start fasting for their benefit, not for yours. Now, I've never told anybody this, and Jeff's standing in the back, and I'll say it right now. When I got word that Eva was on a waiting list to get, you know, to be admitted to the nursing program, I did part of this. I did this Daniel fast for about seven days. Uh, 
and, and it, you didn't know, she didn't, I didn't even tell anybody. But there was something special that she needed, and I was in a position to understand and to do that on her behalf. And I'm not saying that because I did it, she got in, which she did, so you're welcome, Eva. But I'm just saying that this is, this is what the body does. Um, and then certainly in those Christian seasons of either Lent or Pentecost, it's kind of the natural church calendar that calls people to an, an occasion to fast, absolutely take advantage of it. Uh, but um, let me share with you this Bible verse about, or this passage why, why fasting is so powerful. Why it's so powerful. Uh, Romans 7. Uh, one of the greatest sections in all of Scripture. Romans 6, 7, 8. 5, 6, 7, 8. I'm just profound. And right in the middle of that is Romans 7, verses 15 through 25. And most of you know the context of this passage. Let me just tell you the context. Paul's, Paul's struggling with understanding why do I keep doing what I don't want to do and why do I never do what I need to do? And I'm realizing, he says, I'm realizing something about me. And basically he says, nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I don't do what I want to do and I do what I don't want to do. And he asks this question, it's profound. Who can free me? Um, he doesn't ask what can free me because he knows the answer is not in a what, it's in a who. And what he realizes is that there's a war going on within him. There's a battle going on between the forces of evil and God's kingdom, the kingdom of the devil and the kingdom of God. And he knows that he is powerless against the kingdom of Satan in and of himself, and he has to be completely reliant upon the kingdom of God. The reason why fasting is so powerful is because nothing can break the bonds of the kingdom of... I shouldn't say that. Sometimes the, the, the bonds of the kingdom of the devil are only broken by prayer and fasting. And as long as we continue to fight the spiritual battle against the kingdom of the evil one, by church attendance, by 30-second prayers, and a devotional reading... We will always suffer at the hands of the evil one. Because some of these only come out by prayer and fasting. Fasting breaks the bondage that I have to myself, to my mortal body, and to my selfish desires. And fasting binds me to Christ like few other things do. It's never commanded in Scripture that we fast. It's always implied, though. Jesus says in Matthew 6, when you fast. And so the implication is that His people will fast. See, fasting is a weakening of the flesh and a strengthening of the Spirit. And this is why most people never experience the profound power that fasting carries with it even after they fasted. Because though there's been a denial of the flesh, there's not been a strengthening of the spirit. Though there's been a restraint from something, there's never been the building of anything. And so, here's the thing. The point of the fast 
is not just to deny yourself. This, the point of the fast is in the denial of the self to strengthen the spirit through prayer, through Bible study, through meditation. Someone told me a long time of the, the, this little ditty. They said, well, which do, which, if there's two dogs in a fight, which dog wins? The one you fed the most. You starve one of them, the one that gets fed is going to win. Uh, and so if we are truly in this spiritual battle, which of those two dogs is going to win? The one that gets fed. And if some of these only come out by prayer and fasting, and we've never fed that dog by fasting, the other kingdom is going to win every time. But some of them only come out by prayer and fasting. And I just wonder how much of the move of God that his people have missed because we've not practiced prayer and fasting. Jesus actually said, if, if you got a house that's full of demons and you cast the demon out and he goes off into air play and only finds air places and he thinks, I was living pretty good back in the house. And Jesus says, if you don't fill the house, you leave it empty, that demon is going to come back with seven cousins. And it's going to be worse off than what it was. And so oftentimes when we fast and rid ourselves of something, if we don't replace it with something, what's going to come back to us after we get done with a fast is going to be worse off than what we were when we started fasting. So there's got to be the denial of the self or the whatever and the replacing of it with something. So fasting requires something for us. I'm going to, I'm going to get to the, 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 the fasting in a minute, but, but, but we need to talk about this stuff. Fasting requires some type of sacrifice. One, a great passage of Scripture in 2 Samuel 24. David wants to uh, make this sacrifice, and he, and he leads some land to do it. And the owner of the land says, well, hey, let me just give it to you so you can use it to honor God. And David says, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. And, and so, so, so when we follow God, generally and especially when we go into a fast, it requires a sacrifice. So here's how, kind of how this works. If we're going to fast for 24 hours, that doesn't mean we eat a huge meal on the front end, so we're really not that hungry by the time we get done with the fast. That's not, that's not how this goes. It, if I'm going to fast from it, my television show, let's just say, it's not that I'm going to record that somehow so I can make sure I can catch up to it when I'm done with it. That's, there's no sacrifice there. Um, so there's got to be a sacrifice. I will offer God nothing that didn't cost me something. It requires a sacrifice. That sacrifice might be just my time and attention to something. That sacrifice might be a pleasure, something I really enjoy doing. And if it's going to be a fast, we can't just set it aside and pick it up when we're done. That's, that's not a fast. I mean, it might be a fast, but all, we're not replacing it with anything. We're just picking it back up. We're, it's just a delay. It's not a denial. It could be a sacrifice of time or our attention that we do something. It could be a sacrifice of some pleasure. It could be a sacrifice of money. At the, at the end of the day... What has to happen in the fast is it has to be a denial without a picking back up of anything that pulls me away from God. Anything that with which I gain my pleasure from, my comfort from, 
That's a fast. That's what I fast from. And it has to be denial of that without the, I, I just can't wait till this is done because I'm going to get right back to it when, as soon as it's done. That's not a biblical fast. It has to be a sacrifice. Now, I forgot who it was. It was a couple weeks ago. Someone asked me, in the Bible, what did people fast from? Now, we understood why they fasted, protection, mourning, repentance. Uh, they needed God to show up in a miraculous way. Uh, we, we, there's a lot of results of fasting, the Ten Commandments with Moses, the protection of you know, all these people, Daniel, the answer prayer, all that stuff. But in the Bible, like, what were the types of fasting? I think the context of the conversation was uh, people heard people fasting from, I don't know, from, like I said, chocolate or caffeine or their cell phone or whatever. Like, is that a biblical fast? Well, if you just want to look at the Bible, um, there's only two as far as I, and maybe someone out there knows different, but, but, but what I see in clearly in Bible, there's only two, um, two things that people fasted from. And because this is uncensored, unfiltered, I can say whatever I want to. Uh, food and sex between a husband and a wife. Those are the two things that people fasted from in the Bible. Um, and just to prove it, because I know someone out there in uh, internet land is going to be like, what are you talking about? First Corinthians 7, do not deprive each other except this is a married husband and wife, except by uh, perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so take a break for the purpose of your connection with God and then make sure in this context that you come back together because there are some who are so weak that Satan's going to get the best of them. If and so these are the two things, food. So I don't want to talk about the sexual fast. That's not for this time. I want to talk about the food fast. So the food fast. Let me be very clear. Don't fast if you need to take your medication with food. You're not in, God doesn't want anybody to die in the middle of their fast. So save dying for later, but don't do that because you're fasting and you've got to take your, your pills. Uh, if you're in a season of life where you can fast, then practice fasting. But if you're, season in, if you're in a season of life that you can't fast, you're training for a marathon, I would not encourage fasting if you're training for a marathon. Just like this is, and, and this is why I think this is one reason why the Bible doesn't say you must fast and here's how to do it. Uh, because it's got to be a relational thing between you and God. And so I wouldn't put a bunch of rules around it necessarily. When you're done with that season, that you can't fast, and if you get through that season, then start fasting. However, the Holy Spirit leads you. If you got to put on weight, don't fast. If you got to lose weight, don't fast. Don't fast because of the weight issue, because it's not about that. Fast if you're in a season where you can and want to intensify your connection and communication with God. So, because the Bible talks about a food fast, how do we do it? How do we fast? Well, there is the idea of fasting from all food. That's hard. If you go longer, if Jeff goes longer than three hours of fasting without food, that's really, really, really difficult for him. Um, you can learn the discipline. 24, if, you, if you're in your first start in 24 hours, it's like, oh, man, by the 20, 
22, 23 hours, you start thinking, man, I am, I cannot wait till I start eating. Two days, three days, that's pretty difficult. Beyond three days, you know, there, there are biological things that start happening where you start, your body starts to get used to hunger for a while. Um, but th there is the, the discipline of fasting where it's no food, but not all fasts mean no food. There are other types of fasts. This Daniel fast that I, some of you got that handout, it's a great way to practice fasting on a prolonged, in a prolonged way, or when you just start the discipline of fasting. It's a great way to practice fasting. This comes to us through uh, the Bible, the book of Daniel, when uh, the, the, the Hebrew boys were in Babylon and they were, had to learn all the ways of the Babylonian culture and laws and they were given all the choice food of the king and a few of them said, you know what, we don't want to eat all that food. Do us a favor. Feed us vegetables and water and see if we're not better than everybody that's eating all the choice foods of the king. And based on that and some dietary uh, understandings we have of, of, uh, of the Jewish culture, people have come up with the Daniel fast. And so I would recommend at least starting the discipline of fasting by practicing the Daniel fast. And basically, it's all fruits and vegetables and beans and liquids, and it's the cutting out of meat uh, and poultry of uh, anything that's sweet like honey and sugars and processed stuff. Um, and there's things listed on here, foods to avoid, meat, bread, pasta, crackers, cookies, chips, cheese, candy, energy drinks, milk and cream, eggs, sweeteners, alcohol, soft drinks, honey, and coffee. Uh, you're like, well, that's really not much else to eat. <laughs> there's a lot of other stuff to eat. It just is, it, it kind of narrows all down all the good stuff. But then, according to the Daniel fast, foods that you just decide about, and this is where you have to determine, what is God calling me to, and, and how am I going to go through this? You decide if you're really going to cut out coffee or not, or tea, or oils. And depending on who you study and who you read, there are many who say, well, extra virgin olive oil is absolutely okay. Some other oils are not. Um, you have to decide about nuts, brown rice. Certainly white rice is out. I mean, you have to decide about brown rice or not. Um, vanilla, oats, certain seasonings are okay, certain ones are not. You decide what those are going to be. Um, you have to decide about gum and mints. Here's why. Because they contain sugar, and sugar is off the list. And so it depends on how, how, how strict you want to get with this. If it contains sugar, it's supposed to be off the list. That's why some salad dressings, uh, most salad dressings are off the list because they use a, a oil that isn't extra virgin olive oil, and sugar and salt in them, and that's all off the list, so most salad dressings are off. Although, interestingly enough, balsamic vinegar and extra virgin olive oil are on, so you can season your salad with those two things, and that's okay according to the Daniel Fast. So it depends on how strict you want to get with this. Um, there's all kinds of things to eat. Any fruit, any vegetable, basically. Any bean. Potatoes are on here, which is good. So if you fry your potato in extra virgin olive oil, you can have french fries. That's awesome. But you can't have ketchup because that contains vinegar and salt so, and sugar. So you, there's some, it's some real interesting things as you go through this. And again, depending on how, how strict you want to get, the point of it is this. At the heart of the Daniel fast is the idea of sacrifice. And it's between you and God for the sake of your connecting more closely to Him. 
And only you and God know what that looks like in your own daily life. I, I would say this, the point of the Daniel fast is learning the discipline of denial. Um, and so I, my suggestion is to start with a Daniel fast. Uh, and if you have it, 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 I'm sure we'll put it on our website so you can download this and look at this. There's oodles of instructions out there on the internet. Just look at that. Google's really smart in most things. Um, so do, do that. But I would encourage a Daniel fast. Here's the great thing about the Daniel fast. The Daniel fast is one of those uh, that you can practice for a lot longer than a day. A lot longer than a day. But you will feel it. You start going seven days, you're going to feel it. Um, and that's the point. Um, so I would encourage everyone to start with a Daniel fast and choose. But there are other fasts as well. There are other fasts, uh, other credible fasts, and see if these wouldn't be a good fast. A uh, fast from the television, or you could put just media. A fast from social media, that would be a great fast for most people. That, that's one that I don't, I don't know if that needs to be a fast. I just Maybe it just needs to be a death. Just kill that thing. Uh, I talk about leading you away from God and the kingdom of the devil. That's uh, uh, a fast from noise and solitude. It was really interesting. And I, didn't, I didn't plan this. It wasn't a thoughtful thing. But the summer that I graduated high school, uh, the stereo and all my, it was tapes back then, because that was the new technology. I know it's way, I mean, you guys remember 8-track, so you understand that. But, uh, but way back in the day, they stole my radio and all my tapes in my car, and I was, I was a pizza delivery guy. And so I would drive all around Visalia in the heat of the summer in polyester with no radio, no music, no nothing. You didn't have cell phones, so you couldn't listen to anything, just in silence, in complete silence. Uh, and it was really interesting to me um, how frustrated I was at first. But because my parents did a pretty decent job of helping me understand there is a God who loves me and he is real and he is involved in my life. I used that summer through an all hours of my working full time of just in quiet solitude. And it was a real interesting discipline to start to develop. Uh, so it, 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 the, the fast from noise is a great fast. I would challenge you to it, especially if you like to talk a lot. Here's the thing. Whatever fast you choose, whatever fast it is, there has to be a spiritual replacement during the fast. You can't just get, we talked about it, you can't just get rid of something for Lent. There's got to be a spiritual replacement for it. And I would suggest... Again, to remember that what Jesus said, you clean out the house of a demon and you don't replace it with anything, he's going to come back with seven friends and it's going to be worse than you ever started. And so this is why I think so many people may have tried a fast in the past and it didn't work because there wasn't a spiritual replacement of what they were giving up necessarily. And so when you fast, and even in the Daniel fast, you take that time for concentrated study and meditation on the Bible. You're replacing what you're giving up. So I'm going to give up uh, my, my chicken and, and, and my eggs and my sweetener at breakfast and lunch, and I'm going to give that stuff up. I'm still going to eat in my Daniel fast. I'm still going to eat my veggies and my, and my, and my fruits and all that and, 
and God and I talked, and he said it's okay for me to have coffee still. Uh, but I'm going to eat my potato that I fried in, uh, in extra virgin olive oil. And, you know, so, but, but I'm, I'm denying myself a lot of other things. And so when I'm eating and I'm denying myself these other things, I'm going to add to what I'm eating study uh, and meditation on the Bible. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm cutting out some things, but I am adding the spiritual stuff to it. Um, You've got to add something to the fast. You've got to replace it with prayer. If you're going to choose to fast, and I know people that, and I've done this a lot, you fast for 24-hour stints, so, so three weeks of 24-hour fasts. And so you eat in the evening at sundown, and then you won't eat again until the evening at sundown. And when you eat at sundown, it's a Daniel fast, so it's really restricted. It's not a complete all food for the whole time, but you eat at sundown, and you eat according to the Daniel fast, and then you don't eat again for 24 hours till the next sundown. It's a great system and cycle to get into fasting. And I've been practicing that often on this last year. Uh, and usually when I should be eating lunch during that time, I'm walking. Just walk for miles. And during that time, the, I, this, this, this one season, I listened to the entire book of Psalms. There's, there's a lot of scripture there in the book of Psalms, especially you get to one, chapter 119. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, this is... But it was wonderful because I was cutting out everything and I was adding the Bible to it. Um, and so you, th there has to be a replacement of something. There's uh, the replacement of quietness. Uh, instead of indulging in the food that we would love, go and just get quiet. And in the quietness, God, I know, Holy Spirit, I know you're talking to me. Tune my ears to hear your still small voice. Replace what I'm giving up and let them talk. Um, if you choose to fast from fast food, that could be a fast. If that's got a hold on you, it's got a hold on your finances. If you choose to fast from shopping for a month, whatever that thing is that God's put on your heart, save that money that you would have fasted and then offer it over and above your regular tithe. Because it's an ex. I will not offer to God something that didn't cost me a thing. I'm not going to fast from this thing that's taken my money and then just after the fast go spend it on something else. It didn't cost me anything. I'm going to replace it and I'm going to give it to God. So, so here's the thing. I hope you choose to fast. And let me just finish with this. I hope you choose to fast. If you do, here's your guidelines. Okay, here's your guidelines. Matthew 6, 16 and 17 specifically. When you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. That's what the Bible says. Jesus says, truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. So they get no credit for it. So when you're upset because you're fasting and you look miserable and you're acting miserable and every comment is like, I just can't wait till you eat dinner, man. I'm just so lit. You just got your reward and it is nothing. When you fast, this is the assumption that we will, the implication that we will. Put oil on your head and wash your face. It means, it means do your hair. Put the gel in, put whatever you got to do. Comb your hair, make sure you look good. So that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting. Nobody should know. Nobody should know you're fasting. But only to your father who is unseen, and your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. There was, there was one afternoon, we were at, this, at, at the office here, and uh, it, it, every once in a while, the staff's like, hey, let's go get lunch. Let's get a sandwich. Let's, uh, Fidel brings us food or whatever. Uh, and there was one time when Fidel brought us all this fried food, and it smelled so good. 
But I was doing my 24-hour fasting and then the Daniel thing. So nothing that he brought I could have ate anyway because I was doing the Daniel thing. But it was a, during one of the stints where I was doing the 24-hour no food. And all this food sitting there in the office. And it smells so good. Uh, and and I, it might have been Jeff. What am I, are you going to eat something? Like, no, I'm good. And a little bit later, we're kind of walking in the little hallway by ourselves. goes, who's fasting? Did, was that you? Did you ask me that, Jeff? Are you fasting? I said, yeah. But no, like, nobody should know. Like, you don't, you don't put it on, like, your Twitter book that say, hey, I'm, you know, pray for me, I'm fasting. You don't, like, don't do that. So, that. so that's one of the guidelines. Nobody should know. Just act normal. When, when, when I fast every Saturday night to Sunday evening, um, it was killing me at Christmas time. When we had all the food out here, we had like the donuts and stuff and Pop-Tarts and everything. And I'm like, oh, that would be so awesome right now. Um, but nobody knew. It just don't eat it. Just don't, you know, don't say anything. And, um, but the other guideline is Isaiah 58. And Isaiah 58, God says, your fast is invalid because you treated each other poorly and you neglected to take care of the poor who are among you. And so in our fast, you got to be very careful. Look normal. Don't let anybody know you're doing it. I mean, within reason. And, and to make sure you're taking care of people. Because after all, if we connect with God but don't connect with the people, we've not really connected with God. Um, so here's the thing. And I'll close with this. Guidelines. So those two things. Uh, and then set the length of your fast. Set it ahead of time. Am I going to be one? Most fat, most biblical fast, most fast that, that people do is either for one day or it's like centered around, and I don't want to get into numerology, but centered around biblical numbers. So one, three, seven. There aren't many 30-day fasts, but they are out there, or 40-day fasts. Most 40-day fasts are not completely from food, um, and, and there's not just water. Most 40-day fasts include some type of, of, of nutrients, um, and, uh, and certainly juice. And I would say before you ever even think about doing a 30 or 40 day fast, you better talk to a doctor and a nutritionist about it first. Um, but choose what it is. Now, here's the thing. If it's anything more than three days, you're going to be tempted to break your fast. And you're going to come up with all kinds of reasons why God has now released you from it. Don't. It, the only reason, the only person who's telling you to break your fast is going to be, um, it ain't going to be God. Now, you can say, God, I'm going to fast until I get a breakthrough. I'm going to fast until you intervene. Now, if you do that, be very careful because God doesn't mind taking his time. Now, he might show up on day two. He might not show up till day 20. And so if you're going to say, God, I'm going to, then you have to be careful not to, you know, put yourself in a position you're going to be too tempted to break. Now, here's the thing. If you do break your fast before it's over, Father, I'm sorry. I love you. I'm going to pick it back up. That's it. You understand? And when you fast, you'll be convicted that you broke it. And you do that work with God. And you experience His mercy and grace. And you get on with it. So set the length. Uh, and then set the plan for spiritual replacement. What are you going to put in its place? Decide ahead of time. When I fast, I'm going to spend that time studying the Word of God. This section, this passage, Romans 6, 7, and 8. The, the, the Lord's Prayer, as we understand it. Matthew, or Psalm 23, or whatever. 
The book of Revelation, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go through this. I'm, uh, this is what I'm going to replace. I'm going to spend this time in prayer for this person, for this event, for this thing, uh, and then decide what type of fast you're going to do. Is it a Daniel fast? Is it, is it of all meat? Is it, of, uh, is it complete food? Or is it of social media? I, honestly, I would love the young ones to fast for a month from all social media. Do a 40-day fast of social media. That, if they did, if, if not even young ones, there's some old ones. If, you, if they fast 40 days, fast from social media and spent time praying and reading the Bible, as much time people spend on social media, you know what kind of revival people would experience? I pray that you prosper in all things and that you prosper in your health as your soul prospers. You know how much would come? To, yeah. Anyway, pray during your fast of the goal of, for your, of your fast. Like you said, you have to set a goal. What is it? I'm wanting something from God. I want to position myself for God. I want him to move. You're praying for that the whole time that you're fasting. God, this is why I'm doing this. This is what I'm asking. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm asking. Let me tell you this. If you have kids, <laughs> they will make you fast. <laughs> And then feel the time that you would be spent that would be spent on yourself in prayer, Bible, and meditation. Like make sure that whatever that you, that that time is that that was absorbed in what you were doing, make sure that that is spent in that replacement. Like I cannot emphasize that strongly enough. So uh, I've gone an hour and ten minutes. There's so much to fasting uh, that we could talk about. I don't want to take any more of your time. Although if you're online. Thank you. I'm going to pray. Uh, but for those of us in this room, what are I'm not going to ask you if you have. What are your questions and comments and experience? What didn't I cover that you're like, what about this? Nothing. I did that good of a job. Okay, so let me ask this. What's your hesitation about fasting or what has been your hesitation about fasting? Very. Mm -hmm. So, John, what you're saying is for you, it would be what does prayer look like during that time of fasting? Um, where it's, is the question, is it just God please, God will you, God move, or is it something different than that? Is that what you're asking? Um, I would, if I could just make a suggestion... I would suggest that whatever the time frame is that you would spend on whatever it is you're giving up, make that concentrated prayer time. So if you're fasting from food, whatever you would spend, whatever time you would spend in making your breakfast, eating your breakfast, cleaning up, solitude and prayer. Same thing at lunchtime. Whatever time you would spend preparing your lunch, getting your lunch, eating your lunch, whatever, prayer. Do you see what I'm saying? 
So that would absolutely, like it can't be just, well, I'm not eating, I'm going to get more work done. That's not the spiritual replacement, right? So you've chased a demon out, seven more are going to show up. You're just going to be more chaotic and more confused. Same thing at dinner time. So whatever, so if it's a fast from social media, it's real easy to check how long you've been on social media on your phones. So you know ahead of time. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to spend four hours of my day because that's how much time I spend on social media in prayer. And, and so the other thing I would encourage is this, and this is something I'm learning to do. I have, I shared with the church my prayer list, right? I didn't even share the personal things. I just shared the biblical stuff. There's a whole another page of just personal stuff for me and my family. So I, I, that's an everyday thing. Um, but I've also started saying as I'm fasting, Holy Spirit, help me hear what it is you're saying. Give me a word from you. Prompt my spirit. Give me ears to hear your voice. And then just quiet. And just let, what will happen is you'll have thoughts. And then you, in, that, in that prayerful time, you consider, is that from God? If it's in line with Scripture, it's absolutely from God. And then you know, this is from the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to neglect it. You know, this isn't really, this, isn't, I don't, this doesn't match biblically with, that's just my own sinful nature. Father, I confess that. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Change this part about, you see what I'm saying? Um, so, uh, so I don't know if that really uh, helps with the prayer part. Um, but that's how I would initially hear it, and, and at least some of my practice and what I do. It's both the prayer and the listening. Some things that happen is in, in prayer, if prayer is a conversation, and if God speaks to us through His Word, sometimes prayer is just listening to Scripture. Because if prayer is a conversation back and forth, and if God speaks to us through His Word... When I'm fasting and I'm walking, I got my earbuds in and I'm just listening to the Bible, that's my conversation with God. And there are so many times he prompts stuff in that time. That's prayer. So that's a good question, though. Yeah. Anything else? No? Okay, so you're going to start fasting? You're going to continue fasting? Yeah, there you go. Good, good, good. Let me pray. Father, thank you uh, that you have given us so many opportunities um, to come in contact with you. Uh, thank you that you've given us so many opportunities and, and mechanisms to deepen our relationship with you. Thank you that you have already made the way for us to come before you. Uh, Father, I thank you that though there are some pretty difficult things in this world and in our lives, that they come out, though, by prayer and fasting. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray for those who are listening, that you would prompt our hearts, that you would quicken our spirits to hear you and to respond when you're calling us to fast. And as we do that, that we would replace what it is we're denying ourselves with things of your kingdom, with you, in such a way that our relationship with you is deepened and strengthened and fortified. And we would see you, your hand, and your kingdom 
in our world and our lives and on behalf of those with whom and for whom we're approaching your throne of grace.